Hello, this is Dean Schroffnagel. I'm the Senior Deputy Editor for the Annals of the American Thoracic Society. And today I have with me Dr. Donald Tashkin. He's Emeritus Professor of Medicine for the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA in Los Angeles. And Dr. Mark Ware, Associate Professor of Anesthesia and Family Medicine at McGill University in Montreal. Dr. Tashkin has written an article for the April issue of the Annals of the American Thoracic Society entitled, Effects of Marijuana, Smoking on the Lung. And Dr. Ware has written an editorial on Cannabis in the Lung, No More Smoking Gun. So, welcome. Dr. Tashkin, briefly, what are the effects of marijuana on the lungs? Uh, Sure, Dean. Uh, marijuana smoke contains very much the same noxious ingredients, including carcinogens that are present in tobacco smoke, thus raising concern regarding possible harmful effects of regular smoking of marijuana on the lungs, especially regarding the risk for developing smoking-related COPD and lung cancer. For this reason, a number of investigators have examined the effects of marijuana on the lung in both cross-sectional and longitudinal observational studies. In these studies, regular smoking of marijuana, even without tobacco, has consistently been shown to be associated with an increased prevalence of symptoms of chronic bronchitis, namely chronic cough and sputum. Fiber optic bronchoscopy at one center revealed histological abnormalities in the bronchomucosa of smokers of marijuana only, including loss of ciliated epithelial cells and replacement with hyperplastic mucus-secreting goblet cells thus providing a mechanism for the occurrence of chronic bronchitis. On the other hand, most studies have failed to find any significant physiologic evidence of airflow obstruction, even in heavy smokers of marijuana, in the absence of tobacco. And one population-based study failed to find any evidence of emphysema on CT scans of marijuana smokers. Therefore, it appears that marijuana smoking by itself is not a significant risk factor for the development of COBD. Now, with respect to the lung cancer risk, only a few epidemiologic studies have addressed the question whether smoking marijuana is a risk factor for the development of lung cancer. A large cohort study involving nearly 65,000 adults in an HMO followed for eight years failed to find any association between marijuana use and the development of tobacco-related cancers. A large case control study at UCLA involving over 600 cases of lung cancer and over 1,000 controls showed no increased risk of the occurrence of lung cancer in association with even heavy marijuana smoking after controlling for the effects of tobacco. On the other hand, a strong dose-response relationship was found for tobacco. A subsequent smaller case control study of similar design in New Zealand that included only 79 cancer cases and 324 controls, found no increased risk of lung cancer in the marijuana smokers overall, but a significant increased risk in the heaviest smokers. However, the latter group included only four controls, suggesting that the relative risk estimates in this very small subgroup were imprecise and possibly inflated. Thus, the evidence regarding the risk of marijuana for the development of lung cancer is mixed, although the weight of evidence points to a low, if any, risk in the heaviest smokers, possibly due to the fact that the THC in marijuana has been shown to have anti-tumoral properties. And lastly, it's important to keep in mind that THC is a potent immunosuppressant that has been shown to inhibit the function of alveolar macrophages, 
that are T-cells in the lungs' defense against infection. Thus, there is a hypothetical risk that smoking marijuana could predispose to pneumonia, and isolated cases of fungal pneumonia have been reported in immunocompromised patients who use marijuana contaminated with aspergillus. However, marijuana use has not been found to increase the risk of HIV seroconversion, the acquisition of opportunistic pneumonia, or progression to full-blown AIDS in a multi-center AIDS cohort study. Dr. Tashkin, could this also be because cigarette smoking is perhaps less studied, or even that uh, heavy tobacco smokers consume, say, oh, maybe 20 to 60 cigarettes a day, whereas a heavy marijuana smoker may consume, what, one to maybe 15 joints per day? And therefore, would this account for that difference? Well, that's a good question. The effects of marijuana smoking on the lungs is certainly not as well studied as those of tobacco. However, at least seven observational studies involving relatively large numbers of marijuana smokers, including heavier smokers and controls, in different populations in different countries, one involving 20 years of follow-up, have consistently failed to find any evidence of clinically significant airflow obstruction. So that in all likelihood, marijuana itself is not a significant risk factor for the development of COPD. Regarding lung cancer risk, however, only a few well-designed studies have been conducted and the results are mixed so that more studies are needed, although the largest two studies, one a cohort study and the other a case control study, have failed to find any evidence of an increased risk even in heavier smokers. Now, regarding the question whether the negative findings might be due to the generally lower amount of marijuana smoke compared to tobacco, it's noteworthy that about four times as much tar is deposited in the lungs from a single marijuana cigarette than from a single tobacco cigarette of the same weight due to differences in filtration of the smoke, marijuana joints are loosely packed and unfiltered, and differences in smoking technique. Marijuana smokers take deeper inhalations than tobacco smokers and hold the smoke in their lungs four times longer, thus amplifying exposure. Well, there, there are differences then in the tobacco and marijuana smoke. Would that affect the uh, differences in outcome? And I guess you've already said that the different characteristics in smoking could account for it, but it would go in the opposite direction, if I understand you correctly. Well, one would expect uh, that the ingredients in marijuana smoke, which are qualitatively and to some extent quantitatively similar to those in tobacco smoke, some of which are carcinogens and others of which uh, have or are known to be irritating to, to lung tissue, would have similar consequences if you adjust for the differences in the amount smoked. But I think that the THC uh, in marijuana smoke, to some extent, has a protective role since THC has anti-inflammatory properties and does impair the function of alveolar macrophages, we don't get the activation of alveolar macrophages that is important in the pathogenesis of COPD. Also, the THC content of marijuana may also explain the failure to show an increased risk of lung cancer. Also, head and neck cancer risk is not increased either, and it may be due to the fact that THC has anti-tumoral properties. It's anti-mitogenic, it's pro-apatotic, it's anti-angiogenic, and these properties could protect the smoker from the development of cancer. Well, 
Uh, Dr. Ware, uh, as you mentioned, there's a changing attitude toward marijuana use in recent years. How do you think this will affect its health hazards? Will healthcare workers see more problems related to marijuana? Of course, I don't think the changing attitudes themselves will affect the health hazards of marijuana. I think what will happen is, as we've seen with uh, the increase in the number of U.S. states that have allowed marijuana to be used for medical purposes, and, and most recently the two states that have actually made moves towards legalizing marijuana completely, uh, we've had in Canada a uh, an approach to a federal program of regulating medical cannabis for some time now. And I think all this does is it allows an opportunity for health professionals and researchers to actually get true pictures of what cannabis use is in the population. As under the old regime where you know the drug was illegal, there was really very little reason and in fact quite the opposite, there was reason for people not to discuss their marijuana use with their physicians. So I don't know that we really always had a true picture of what the prevalence of cannabis use was and therefore it becomes very difficult to associate those those factors with health outcomes. And as we know from tobacco, and, and, and Professor Tashkin knows well, the, the long-term effects of tobacco became available once we knew, A, who was smoking and for how long, and B, we could actually measure the changes in, that, uh, in their health, and that allowed us to make the associations that are so strong now. Dr. Tashkin's work has been tremendously important in trying to tease out the differences between cannabis and tobacco. And I think given the, these changes in regulation, the most important thing that we can be doing now is getting a true picture of what cannabis use is. And then we can start to make any associations with health outcomes uh, as we get this truer picture of, of cannabis use in the real community. So, Dr. Ware and Dr. Tashkin, what advice would you give to pulmonologists taking into account that we don't know fully about what marijuana smoking will do? How should pulmonologists advise their patients about smoking marijuana? Dr. Ware? Thanks. I think if I had to point to two major issues, it would be that pulmonologists need to have ways to measure cannabis use by their patients so that they have a meaningful way of quantifying it. And, and Professor Tashkin has, has really led this in his assessment of patients in his cohort and case control studies where you measure it in joint years, the number of joints that people smoke per day over the number of years. So one joint per day would be a joint year uh, exposure in much the same way as we talk about pack years. And I think having this to start to record would be a very powerful stepping stone towards understanding better the, the quantity of use and then making links. Uh, and the second thing would be to in, improve awareness of alternatives to smoking techniques. For those patients who use it for medical purposes, there are alternatives, and these vaporizing devices are increasingly, uh, a be we're becoming increasingly aware of their certainly their efficacy in terms of delivering the active ingredients to the lung. We know less about the long-term safety of them, but it appears as though they are a healthier option to burning the plant material. Uh, although I think further study is needed, I would urge the pulmonologist to look very carefully at the vaporization devices and see whether there's a, a safer option there for patients who choose to inhale cannabis. And Dr. Tashkin, do you have a, a last word for us and for our listeners? I endorse the, the comments of, of Dr. Ware. I would just add that the patients who are prescribed, well, I guess they're not prescribed, they're recommended to use marijuana for medicinal purposes, it should be informed that there is a modest increased risk for developing increased cough and sputum. They, uh, if they don't smoke tobacco, uh, they uh, probably will not develop 
chronic uh, COPD, chronic obstructive bronchitis, and emphysema. And the results of the studies that are available suggest that there probably is a low, a very low risk for developing lung cancer or head and neck cancer, although we can't be sure about the risks for developing those cancers in the very heaviest smokers. Well, very, very good. Thank you, uh, Dr. Tashkin and Dr. Ware. This is Dr. Dean Schroffnagel for this podcast for the April issue of the Annals of the American Thoracic Society. Thank you.